Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. going on y'all we coming at you on a wednesday afternoon for believe in kentucky the legend tony delk it's a uk game day my name is benny hardy welcome to believe in kentucky what's up td man you know what uh i'm full right now i have my uh thanksgiving meal before thanksgiving which it will be tomorrow and i'm sitting on swole right about now <laughs> i got about five different sides in my stomach and some turkey <laughs> so i'm feeling real good Hey, 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 this segment can't go too long because you know I'm going to get that itis and I'm going to start getting tired towards the end. So we better get all the best, the best segments out, uh, the best, the best we can do right now. Whatever question, whatever going on in sports, we better get it, get it in the early hour. Exactly. Because, you know, the, the game's at six. We got to squeeze in a little nap before Kentucky and Moorhead State. So, yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll get it out. Know. <laughs> game day as we mentioned td is, is november the 25th we didn't know if we'd ever get to this point everything right. is weird you know we talked about that last week with the nba draft happening in november now college basketball is starting at almost december just because so much craziness still got teams canceling and mm-hmm. rick barnes just tested positive tennessee had to stop wow. but kentucky and moorhead state is on for about an hour and 45 minutes from now, and it looks like they're going to play Richmond on Sunday. Detroit got canceled because they're not coming. Somebody tested positive. But we look like we got two Kentucky games this week. Yeah, it should – like I said, it should be an uh, exciting game, especially for, you know, as we talked about earlier, so many so many new faces to look at. But uh, also just a solid team, you know, just getting a chance to practice early. Uh, build some cohesiveness, as well as kind of learn Coach Cal's system. But what's interesting about, you know, just this season is that I know years ago we had been talking about, you know, pushing that, that NBA season and uh, college basketball season back so it doesn't kind of collide with football. Because football, you know, is, is definitely a powerhouse. And, and you know, any sport going up against football, you know, it's, you're not going to win that battle. So even with it starting later, you know, some of these bowl games, um, you know, be out of the way, and we probably can enjoy more of a a, uh, a college basketball season. So I'm kind of excited about it. I know it's going to be tough this year. Uh, I was watching the game early. I was watching Nebraska play, I think, Manise State, and it was just strange watching a kid play with a mask on. I'm like, hmm. I didn't think about it, you know, because as I'm training some of my kids, you know, they have masks on, and probably about 20, 15, 20 minutes in, Man, that mask is like below their below they chin. You know, I'm like, man, <laughs> it comes off really fast. So just to see a kid play with that, it just let, let us know it is definitely a different time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because it, it tipped off today. A lot of games today 
The Kentucky women played Murray State earlier today. They won 86 to 60. And I'm going to ask you about that because uh, Ryan Howard, the best player on the team, was suspended for a couple of games. Mm. And uh, who else was suspended? Let me see if I can get it real quick. Um, so Ryan Howard, it's, it's funny you, you bring up her name. And I was looking at the top college players. And, you know, so I saw this little small picture. I'm like, that looks like Kentucky. And I looked, I'm like, I went down in like the top 25 players and she was the number one collegiate player. And I didn't know she was out, but, um, you know, she must be extremely nice because there's so many talented uh, women out there. And just for Kentucky to have, you know, one of those top women speaks value for what Coach Mitchell, you know, has done recruiting. And it's just unfortunate he's not going to get a chance to coach this team. You know, um, Akira, she, you know, she's going to step in and do – an extremely good job, you know, just being able to put the right lineups out there, but also know the players because she's she's heavily recruited most of these girls. So it's almost like the interim coach, you know, that knows the personnel, but now it's a different role because now when those players can find you, they're not really coming to you like they once did. You know what I'm saying? So it was a different relationship, player assistant coach compared to player head coach. Mm-hmm. And they got the win, eighty-six to sixty. But like Ryan was out for it says not upholding the standards of the program. Tatiana Wyatt was suspended three games for violation of team rules. We hear that a lot. You played on great teams. You were a coach on Cal staff. You went on New Mexico State. The violation of team rules. If you had to ballpark it, <laughs> it could be any. What what is it normally, or is it could it be a lot of different things? What. It's, it's, uh, I mean, you can look at it a lot of different ways, you know, maybe coming, maybe showing up late to practice, uh, you know, for, with us, it would have been missing a tutor because most of those guys are like, man, I'm trying to sleep in, you know what I'm saying? So you go, you miss a tutor and, and that's going to, that's going to cause a violation, you know, not, not, maybe not, you know, missing the game, but you know, if, if you're not following the rules, if there is a, a ethical that, that you are not abiding by and, you know, now when they come to you, and maybe there's there's been a couple warnings, you know what I'm saying? Because coaches don't use suspend you, like, right off the bat, you know, because at the end of the day, these are 18-, 19-year-old kids that are going to make mistakes first time being away from home, being independent, um, not really having anyone that can tell you what time to come in. Although your coaches tell you, hey, we got a curfew, don't break the curfew. So, you know, we can look at a no- number of different ways what might have caused that, um, you know, that suspension. But – what it does for me, especially with her being a new head coach, is it sends a message to the rest of the girls. If you can suspend the best player, mm-hmm. is that now it means no one is untouchable. So I kind of like it. I like it from a standpoint of them having to respect her because your best player normally gets away with a few things, you know. And we all know, we all have heard stories and know of players who've gotten away with, with, with a lot of things just because they've been the best talent the highest paid player, the face of an organization. And when a coach can send a message early, it gets to, you know, it gets to the other girls. Now the other girls understand like, Hey, you know, we can't make the same mistake because if she's been Ryan, what is she thinking about us? You know, she'll even maybe take our scholarship. So really it's a fear factor, you know, and I kind of went through that my freshman year when one of our best players got suspended. And when it happened, I mean, it was a wake up call. All of us like, wow. You know, that dude right there got suspended. Man, we know we we know we might not be on scholarship if we do something wrong the next day. So we we kind of knew that, you know what I'm saying? So but 
but it still starts with you, the relationship you have with your best player. Because, like, your best player got to be your hardest working player, got to be the leader. So there's a lot of different responsibilities that fall on that best player's shoulder. And when the best player is not performing, not doing well, I think you have to address that. Because if you don't address it, it's going to linger on. And the other players are going to see it and lose some respect. Mm-hmm. So she's coming in. She's moving from head assistant, top assistant, to now interim head coach and, and kind of sending a little message and, and letting them know how it's going to be. Mm. I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm all for, you know, I, I hate, I hate, hate that it happened, but when it happens, you got to make a quick decision. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like when Adam Silver took over the NBA, you know, and it was like first, the first, the first time you get to deal with was the LA Clippers, Donald Sterling. Yeah. Can you imagine you taking over and you got to deal with, you know, a social injustice during that time where, you know, you just took the job. I was like, man, couldn't you have waited at least a, a few months? Give me a year under my belt, man, you know? And so you really have to sit down with kind of your board of governors and, you know, for coaches to be their assistant coaches, uh, AD probably will be involved and kind of come up with the with a good solution, you know, where I know it's a kid that's young, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, we don't want this kid to think that this high is going to be, but also we don't want to give them a pass. So you have to send the right message because now that message goes not only to, you know, the current players, but even incoming players, you know, Hey, you got to respect, you know, um, whatever decision we saw or whatever we put in place for you girls. So y'all don't get in trouble and y'all got to follow this protocol. And when you don't follow the protocol, there are consequences behind it. And I think the best coaches, they always have those things in play, whether it's my, my best player, whether it's the walk on might might be a little bit different to walk on. He ain't, walk on ain't getting away with nothing, so we already know that. Yeah. The best player, we know that, you know, they get a pass every once in a while that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that role player don't get. And, and I think with me being on so many different teams and playing with, you know, some, you know, some Hall of Fame talent players, and I understand how it works. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, okay, what if I did it? What, what, if, what if I had five consecutive turnovers? Would I still be in the game? Hell no. What if I miss eight, nine shots? Would I be in the, Hell no. But a star? Yeah, they can do that, man. Because if I'm paying a dude 15, 20 million, he's a face of, face of the franchise. And, you know, he has a longer rope than I have. And I think role players, you know, you got to you understand that and you keep it moving, man. But when you try to 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 fight that system or, you know, go to the coach and say, hey, man, why, why are you allowing him? And he's making 30 million to do. Dude, who are you? You know what? I'm about to cut your ass. Mm-hmm. That's what usually happens, you know. Like, dude, you don't you don't speak up against that, you know. And I'm not saying all superstar players are like that. I think LeBron is a prime example of guys really enjoy playing with him, and you know he's outspoken for his guys. You know, he's he's one of the the few leaders that when it comes down to speaking up for role players and guys who might be out the league, you know, he's he's the advocate behind it. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I admire him, not for what he does on the court, but what he does off the court. And when you have players like that as well as coaches, you know, coach, coach is supposed to fight your fight sometimes, especially against referees or, or when outsiders don't really know who you are. Mm-hmm. We speak up for one thing on this podcast, and that's La Terrain Watches. And they, Dave and Ben and everybody there have been so good in sponsoring the podcast. You and several other 
UK legends and, and basketball celebrities have been endorsing them and representing them individually. And then they came on and, and sponsored the podcast. Like being said, you, you people can buy that Red Crest. They get the Red Crest free. Mm-hmm. They purchased your watch. So that offer is still on the table. And just a lot of variety, several different styles, bands, whatever your taste, La Terrain has got you. Man, La Terrain has done uh, phenomenal things out there in the watch world and will con- continuously keep growing because of people like you, myself, who uh, are definitely you know, talking about them and um, promoting what, they're, what they've started. And that's a good brand to watch and also just great people. Dave, I got a book coming to you, man. So we should get you in the next couple of days. He bought my book, Shooter, The Story Behind the Double Zero. So just a, you know, when someone supports you, you know, you really, you know, from my heart, you know, it shows that, you know what, man, whatever Dave does, I'm behind him 100%. But just lots of rain for the holidays, Christmas gift. Uh, so many people will be looking to find a gift for a significant other, maybe a young kid, a young teenager, although they have a phone to tell what to tell time, there's nothing like having a nice La Terrain timepiece on your wrist to look down at. And, and like I say, hey, hey, if you're a single man, you know, women are attracted to having, uh, to seeing a nice timepiece. So Dave, keep up the good work. Absolutely. And y'all can listen to everything we're saying about La Terrain, of course, at Believe.com, wherever you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, and also a sea of blue.com. They put every episode on their website as well. So appreciate everybody. Appreciate all the new listeners that keep coming. And we still getting some international listeners from, from abroad that's coming and checking us out here in the TD. So uh, okay. All right. A, a, a little international love. Ain't nothing wrong with that, yeah. man. Yeah. So appreciate everybody coming and continue to check out the website. One quick thing too I gotta ask you. You might not even care. You might have a preference. You might not. <clears throat> In high school, of course, you play four quarters. In the pros, you play four quarters. The women's game in college has now switched to four quarters. They don't do 20-minute halves anymore in the women's game. The only thing doing two 20-minute halves is men's college basketball. You already know. You know, it, it, it's funny you mention it because I'm, I'm waiting for them to make a change. And there's so many changes that need to be made with the men's college basketball rules. And as I said, I think it's good when you can bring former coaches, former players back and kind of get their input on what kind of change will, will be made to help the game and, and advance the game. You know, I just think right now, even overseas, you know, everybody's using four quarters. So why are, why is men basketball not using four quarters? Like, like what's your explanation behind that? It's like that being able to advance the ball. Cause I'm, I'm tired of seeing the ball in the backcourt with a few seconds left and you can't advance the ball to half court. Like certain things need to be changed. And I don't know if it's, I don't know who's the head of the committee, but I think certain rules need to be up for review and certain rules need to be, you know, basically obviously execute needs to be done with. And I don't know who makes those decisions, but if it was up to me, I would kind of look at where the game is at today. Um, international basketball, NBA basketball, even women's basketball, who they are constantly making changes. You know, they're like, they're not stuck in semen. I think some, so many times uh, NCAA men's basketball, uh, that department is stuck in semen. Mm-hmm. And what's taking them so long just to go to full court is not that complicated. You know, from middle school to high school, everyone is using four quarters. And I'm just waiting to see one day, somebody gonna come up with this great idea, let's have four quarters. So I, I wanna see who's gonna get credit for that. Yeah, they're the, they're the last ones, man. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
man, I, you know, I'm down here in Tennessee, and I, I got to show you, you know, a, a lady that I work with. You might have some collectibles. There's some some memorabilia that you guys as 96 champs have seen. This lady at work got me this little Mr. Potato Head. It's called Sports <laughs> Spuds. The reason I want to show you this <laughs> is Homeboy's wearing double zero, man. I'm just <laughs> Have you seen this before? Hey man, hold on, man. Is there really double zero on that man? Double zero. You... <laughs> oh man, that is. Hey man, where did she find it at? I don't know, man. But it's got us with double zero, man. I would love. And you know what? You got to contact her and see where she got that from. I mean, I like I said that that memorabilia. I would definitely love to have in my collection. You know, I, I have collected a few things. I don't. I don't have a lot. Um, I admired a lot of players growing up, and I think my first autograph was from um, Earl the Pearl Monroe. Oh, and I forgot where I saw him at. I was like, you know, it's you know, when you see Earl, you know, Earl the Pearl. I was like, man, that's Earl the Pearl right there. Wow. And, and I think I might have been in the NBA. I was like, dude, I got to get Earl the Pearl. So I have Earl the Pearl autograph, and it was after a Utah Jazz game. I went to Carl Malone. I said, hey, man, you know what? If you don't mind, can I get some signed shoes? You know, it was, it was so funny, too, because he was like, Tony, I said, man, I got you, dude. I'm like, you, you know how you're an awesome time. I'm like, damn, he, he knows my name, you know, and uh, signed the shoe. I still have them to this day, too. I haven't given them. I think it was some uh, – he might have worn Nautica back then, some right. Nautica shoes. They, like, real – they go up to your calf muscle. But, uh, yeah, that's right. But those are the only shoes – of any player that I have signed. Mm. And he so, had those high socks coming out of them nauticals. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what? It was he but he actually taped from from heel to calf. Like he was the first guy that I ever known to tape, you know, because normally your, your tape probably goes a little bit above your ankle and a little bit into your Achilles. But I've never seen no one tape so high. Mm -hmm. Um to be able to play like that, because you know, once you once you get the tape on, it's kind of, you know, your, your foot is stiff. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny in the summertime, there's so many players, you know, none of us, none of us, you know, play with the uh, tape ankle in the summertime. But as soon as the season starts, everyone has to get their, get their ankles taped because there is a fine. There's a fine. That if you, there's like a $5,000 fine. If you didn't, well, back in 19, not 19, 2003, I was with Dallas Maverick. And I remember telling uh, Coach Nelson, I said, man, I can't, you know, it's going to start my Achilles to aching and I said I, you know I don't tape so he's like all right well you know at least you gotta you gotta wear some ankle braces so I, I long story short I wore the ankle braces but tape always irritated my Achilles and hmm. I felt like it weakened your ankle now what's so crazy about that year I twisted my ankle three times wow so all the places I played I never twisted my ankle more than once on that team and I don't know if it was if I jinxed myself, but you know, I twisted my ankle three times, and I might have missed a total of 25, 30 games for them for them twisted ankles. Yeah. So maybe maybe he knew maybe he knew something that I didn't know then. Exactly. <laughs> and speaking of, of Dallas, I mean, Freddie just ended. You know, um, Willie Colley Stein resigned with the Mavs. You called this shot a couple weeks ago with Rondo going to the. Uh, the Hawks, you already you said, I know he's got off on the table. Next thing you know, you see it across the screen, Rondo signs with the Hawks. I'm like, Damn. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I think Rondo looked at it 
Okay, I'm at the back. I'm on the back nine, and it's either take three million for maybe one year, or take fifteen million for two years. I mean, that's, that's to me that's a no brainer. I've already got my two championships. He's made a lot of money over his time, but now this is extra money. This is extra money based on how he performed in the bubble, how he showed good leadership, how he was able to knock down shots. But but just being a a good teammate is something that. You can, if you're a good teammate, you can steal like another two or three more years. I think Vince was probably year 16, 17. After that, everything else, he was just a good teammate. Mm-hmm. So you have to have him in the locker room, like good locker room dude. He really wasn't concerned about playing. He was at the end of his career. He was building relationships with people. So you kind of become a businessman if you can stay in the league that many years and you're not playing. You know, I think so many times guys get. You know, it's so competitive. Egos are involved. It's like, man, you know, I can't believe I'm, I'm not playing anymore. But if you could take that transition and use it the right way, you know, you can get a contract like, you know, like a Rondo, you know, if you still can play and still serviceable to a team. And he made a business decision, which I'm, I'm – you know what? I'm happy with it because there are so many organizations that make business decisions and no one ever say anything. You know, when they want to cut a player – um, you know, you might take less money. They they trade you. They're not giving your money back. So yeah. we've seen that probably know several players who took less money to stay with an organization, and maybe a, a year into their contract, they trade them. So when you get traded, do do you hear the fans say, "Oh man, you know they offered them like thirty million. He took twenty million. Man, they owe him ten more million dollars." No, mm-hmm. they don't owe you anything. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, people forget that happens in basketball quite a bit where, you know, we talk about being loyal. you loyal when there's um, – when there aren't any opportunities out there. If a better opportunity comes, your ass ain't loyal. That's just how it works. I hate to tell people that, but that's the way it is. If I'm loyal for $20 million, somebody offered me $80 million, okay, <laughs> I'm loyal to $80 million now. You know what I'm saying? But that's just – it's business, though. Yeah. So you can't really take it personally. That's it. And switch, you know, flipping to my Rockets, I was wondering how, you know, Steven Silas, the new GM, got to get a big on the roster, and DeMarcus Cousins is like on that roster, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when I saw that, man, I, I was just happy for Cousins. You know, I think he, he's been through a lot, you know, just with the Achilles, the quad, uh, the ACL. It's like, dang, man, like this dude is, is just, you know, not to, I can't even say injury prone. Because he's not even injury prone. He had that one, one major injury that really set him back. And then I think you're you, you know you're fighting, you're fighting to get back, and be the player you were before you left the game. And I think what he's finding it's a process. It takes time. You know, we remember the Demarcus that was averaging 25, 12, and five, mm-hmm. and we might never see that Demarcus again. Mm-hmm. You know, put up those kind of numbers. And I hate it because he was one of, definitely one of the, the most talented big men that could pass, put the ball on the floor, uh, could knock down threes from the outside, had a, a, a real toughness about him, big body. And it's like, dang, man, because he would – put it like this, he would have never become a free agent like if he wasn't injured or hurt. Mm-hmm. Is that he's one of those guys – he's a franchise player. He doesn't get the free agency. Like certain players – don't ever get the free agency. And if they do, it's, it's more of a sign and trade or they're kind of forcing your hand. And that's similar to what, uh, what James Harden and, uh, and Ro- Russell Westbrook are doing, you know, cause they, they kind of see, but I think bringing the markets in and, 
you know, with them having having signs and bigs, you know, it's not as bad as it once was. I think just going and just, you know, what Daryl Morey did, I mean, seriously, we're going to have P.J. Tucker at 6'5", being the center? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did that work out? I think it's only – they can only – they're one-dimensional. I mean, it, it posed some problems a little bit, and they won some games, but what if you want to play a different way? They, they couldn't. So now they're, they're back to being a little more traditional. You got some bigs because, you know, other teams have bigs. So you, you need some bigs. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad to see Boogie there. And, and you know, Silas and them got a, a, a big dude to work with and mm-hmm. reshape the roster and, you know, however they want to adjust it going forward. Whether Russ stays, whether Russ wants out, whether Harden wants to go to Brook, whatever, at least you got some bigs to work with and, We'll see what else happens the rest of the way, you know. Well, you got some good trade pieces too. So I mean, not a lot of even like you're not gonna get equal to James Harden or Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. you know. So you're gonna have to give up something. And, and I think, like to me, Brooklyn has a lot of young assets along with probably a lot of draft picks that looks pretty, you know, looks like it could be something that could help a team out, you know, not only or now, but maybe two or three years down the road. And it's a business. So it's a business where how can I put my organization in the best situation where we have the most talent around these guys who are in their prime, you know, probably two or three years out of their prime. So you got to look at that team, how it's constructed right now, and say, what can we do in the next two or three years? Because the West is a tough conference. Not only, um, you know, you got the Lakers coming back, basically reloaded. I mean, other teams have gotten better. Mm-hmm. So you can't go backwards. You got to go forward with whatever you, whoever you draft, whoever you sign a free agency. And that's what's going to be key. And that's what's going to keep James Harden there. Because I think right now he can kind of see the right on the wall. Like, man, I'm not winning anything here. Yeah. It's not going to happen. That window's closing. Um, speaking of stuff, that's, your money that's going to keep you there, the max deal kept Darren Fox in Sacramento. So uh, but, but we got two two. We got we have two Kentucky guys that signed, uh, you know, max deals, you know, and I think I, I was kind of reading the story on Bam, which was really interesting, you know, just him growing up in a trailer park and, um, you know, just him having, you know, being, you know, have, having a mom just a, coming from a single parent household, you know, that speaks value for, you know, just where he's at, what he's done. And, you know, when you have good people, man, like them dudes, like I remember them dudes, man, when they lost North Carolina. Like, they were crying, man. Like, Fox and them dudes were crying. Like, I knew then I was like, man, something special will happen for them to them guys. It's not even about the money. You know, I think it was just that they showed us that they cared and they loved basketball. Mm-hmm. And you don't see a lot of young men crying that are going to be lottery picks, getting ready to make a lot of money. Hey, college is over, man. But it really hurt them. Like, and, and then – so that made me become a, a Fox and Bam fan Man, since they – since I saw them play, you know, really the first game, you know, because I got a chance to watch them early. But, you know, I really became more of a fan of them at the end of the season because I was like, man, I want to follow – I'm going to follow these guys, man. I think both of those guys going to be be all-stars at some point in time, which Bam has already been uh, – De'Aaron probably would be in time. I just got to stay healthy. But the organization really put a lot into them. They trust them. You know, when they give you that kind of money, they trust you. Yeah. And a lot of people – which you know, people, fans miss 
guys staying two, three, four years like you did. A lot of people aren't cool with the one and done. And a lot of people, oh, they, they're just in Lexington because to get to the NBA, they don't care nothing about Kentucky. Well, Bam and Fox crying after a loss. Yeah. Boogie comes back to Lexington a lot. You know, a lot of these guys, one and done, still like Kentucky, you know, mm -hmm. and have fondness for UK in their hearts, just like you all who played for a year. So, you know, yeah. a lot of people, but yeah. And here's the thing, too, like, you know, most of us guys are not from Kentucky. You know, so even with myself, you know, I'm, I, I rep Tennessee, but, you know, Kentucky always will have a special place in my heart. You know, you always got to go back to your birthplace and where you grew up with and with your your mom, your dad, your siblings, your friends. And, you know, when you come to Kentucky, you know, they embrace us. You know, they really have, you know, make us feel, you know, feel a part of uh, what's going on in the city, what's happening in the state. And when you have young guys that come in, and they won't know the history of Kentucky until maybe a few years removed from playing basketball. And I think I became more, more of a historian after the, after the fact. While I was there, you know, it was cool to see Kenny and, and uh, Sam Bowie rest up in the summertime. Like, man, you know, that's some dudes right there. No, that's some NBA dudes. And I was, and I was a young dude, you know what I'm saying? So I really admire, you know, those guys coming back because they didn't have to come back. You know, uh, and you think think about, you know, Sam being from Pennsylvania. Um, Rex, of course, is from Kentucky. You see someone like Kenny Walker, who's from Georgia. It, it was just that there's something special, not only about putting on a uniform, but just playing in Lexington that brings all of us back there. And then what Coach Cal has done, he did a tremendous job of bridging the gap between the different decades, you know, because mm -hmm. that's, I thought that was really smart. You know, when you can bring in guys that played in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and he even went back to the 48. I'm, I was I was really impressed. Like, man, I'm dude still – not to say he's still here, but I'm like, man. Yeah. Calvin, he, he really went deep into our history. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He didn't just stop and say, well, you know what, let me go here. Let me stop at the 78, the 78 championship. Man, he went and got some dude from 48. I was like, yeah, that was impressive. You know, really, really impressive. Well, there was – them or their family, it was that they hadn't been forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that's what being a part of history is, is that, you know, if you won a championship, your jersey retire, like, you will be remembered. Might not be from some of the, the fans from, you know, the, the, uh, from the same era, yeah. but, you know, when you look through those history books, you're going to see, oh, man, I know this guy. Oh, he did this for a while. I didn't know that. So you do become more of a historian after the fact. Yeah, it was cool seeing all y'all out there on the floor together. They bring all y'all out, mm -hmm. madness and stuff. That's yeah, that is it's really something. It sure is. And we mentioned uh, Fox. We talked a little bit about Wall. We talked about Rondo. If you want to go old school, the fans older than us would probably throw Ralph Beard in that conversation. But I'm asking you, who is the the fastest dude? with the ball in their hands that you have seen? Kentucky's had several, but who's the just the blur up the court with the rock? Man, you got to get it to Jay Wall. I mean, mm. witnessing that with my eyes, I was like, man, that dude is electric. He reminded me of when we played 1992 McDonald's All-American game, and we, have, we were having practices. And I was watching Jay's kid. I was like, man. That dude, it seemed like he was running without the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like you run actually fast without the ball and the ball in your hand. 
Mm-hmm. And it just felt like that dude was just you saying both just running down the court, man, with the ball in his hand. I was like, man, that's spectacular. That, that's that's amazing how that dude gracefully moved down the court at that at that speed. Mm-hmm. And that's how John Wall was. John Wall had had speed where he his nickname could have been Lightning Man. If if, if you wanted to give him a night a nickname, he was so fast, and he put so much pressure on your defense because even when he got if he got a rebound, you couldn't backpedal. You had to run. If you backpedal, chances are you probably tripped over line yeah. or he passed by you. Yeah. One of the two is going to happen because you were not going to be able to stay with him. And I think that's the separation between John and when I look at elite talent, uh, jumping ability, but just how he's able to, to move gracefully with the ball in his hand and be able to react to the crossover between the legs, someone stepping here, somebody stepping there. And it's like driving at 100 miles per hour, and you can still – you're driving 100 miles per hour, but to you in your mind, everybody else is driving 50 and 60. Mm-hmm. And that's how great players, when they get really good up here mentally, that game slows down for you. So you can start reading and, being, and anticipate what's going on. And that's hard to do at an earlier age because you're, right, you're really not watching enough basketball to kind of pick up little things that, oh, that's what he does. Okay, cool. I'm going to watch out for that next time. So now you become a student. And kids are kind of getting away from that because they're more about highlights. Mm-hmm. I still love watching games just in my mind, writing down plays. Oh, I would have called this differently right here. You know, so I, I'll get into coaching mode before I know it. But mm-hmm. when, when it comes back to performing on the court, you know, that's where you got to really work on your craft. So hopefully we can see Wall kind of get back to his old self, uh, whether with Washington, where he's asked for a trade or wherever he's at, just to see him back healthy with a chance to be his old self again. Cause he's, he kind of got hit by the injury bug and, and, you know, missed some time, but hopefully he can be back uh, and get back to doing those things we, we saw him do. Well, I think what's going to be key for John is, um, is like I said, John staying healthy and, and, I know he's been out for a few months now. And then just restoring that confidence, man, because, you know, I've, I've been through a rehab process. And when you get when you get done rehabbing, it's like, okay, now I have to gradually get back to where I was, but knowing it's a process. So certain people want to skip steps. And by skipping them steps, you sustain another injury. And then you got to go back and start all over again. And for me, rehabbing, I just was like, man, I don't want to, I don't ever want to do that if I don't have to. Because yeah. I know it's time-consuming. It's a little bit more difficult than people think. You're really not playing the game. And it gets boring, man. It gets boring when, you, when you've when done something so competitive for so long. It's like, I got to sit there and watch. And I'm just like, I'm not enjoying this. But mm-hmm. once again, that's what happens when you have to go through the rehab process. And at, when a season started, you know, like, like tonight, first game of the season, are you tired of practicing against your teammates? Are you ready to see somebody else in another color? How ready? Listen, <laughs> that's the most beautiful thing that you just said was that practicing against one another. You know, you, you enjoy practice. Practice is competitive, especially like during my time. It was very, very competitive. But we usually saw games as being days off. Mm-hmm. We knew we were going to execute. We knew a game plan going in. And then we didn't have any distractions which sometimes when you're practicing one another, some guy felt like he should be starting more, he should be getting more playing time, you're fighting for that position. 
you know, there's a lot of factor behind, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure, you know, you have the right guys on the court. Last thing, man, your, your, your Titans, they, they pulled one out uh, against Baltimore. Yeah. They, they, you know, I think you can bring it up, man. Nice, nice win. Nice. And they, they was on the ropes, but they, they, hey, it don't matter, play. man. Hey, hey, we had the rope dope going, man. We had the rope dope. What do you mean it was on the rope, man? Come on, don't come with, don't come with, hey, man. I'll be trying to downplay what we did. You know what I'm saying? Don't be that dude. The the touchdown by Brown, where he should have been tackled at the five, and he broke like six tackles. I got to give him credit for that. And the way Derrick Henry closed Woo. the game out, I got to give him credit for that. Woo-hoo. Now, y'all, y'all face a coast team who came to Nashville and beat y'all down. They did. Yeah, they did. Got to go to Indy. So what what we, what happens in the rematch? They came with with that old ass Philip Rivers, man, and he got a, he got a victory, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he old man. I'm just like, man, how can we not get to this old ass dude? But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we we're playing for something, just like they're playing for something. And you know, we didn't forget that they that they beat us. We haven't forgotten about that. And that and that big workhorse by the name of Derrick Henry. Whew, Hey man, when that dude gets ahead, when he gets ahead of steam, the only thing I can tell you, we've all heard this, you know, you got to make a business decision. Do you want to get your ass ran over or do you want to just, hey, get out of his way? <laughs> I like the fact and, that this is a division game and it's a quick turnaround. It's not like it you got to wait six weeks to play them. You just played them no. a couple weeks ago and boom, here they come again. Let's get this pop, man. It's like a rematch. You know, it's like, you know what? It's almost like boxing. We got to wait for like, it seemed like years or months to watch a really good fight that happened, you know, uh, Fury and Dante Wilder. I'm like, man, I want to see that again. I want to see the trilogy, but of course, you know, it's going to come down to money. But in football, like I said, you get a chance really to, to run that back and I expect them to be much better and, and to, to put some pressure on, on definitely Phillip River and just get to him, man. Just don't, don't let that old, that old ass man just stay back in the pocket, man, and just be, I want his ass to be scrambling. I want him to be on the run from time time they, he hiked that ball, man. I want him to be just backtracking the whole time and running, retreating, looking outside, left to right. You know, that's what that's what I expect. But, you know, because now these games, they they really mean something. You know, we can even look at what Baltimore is doing. You know, I heard someone say today that, you know, they wouldn't pay uh, Lamar Jackson all that money. I'm like, hold on, man. You understand that, not to make any excuses for him, but – the schedule got harder, and when you don't have all your players there, especially offensive talent, you're missing offensive uh, linemen. It makes a difference. But the, but they just see what happened last year. Oh, he should be even. He should be have been prog- uh, progressed more to where to where he's at today. And sometimes, like I said, man, team make adjustments. They're yeah. not just gonna let him run all over the place. You know, they're gonna they're gonna have someone. They're gonna play different different defensive coverages, which is uh, something you have. Oh, here's my question to you. So, you know, Monday night was uh, – history was made Monday night. Yes. The first seven all-black official for an NFL game in 2020. What would you have to say about that? It was like, like – I read some articles on it and, and saw some tweets. Glad to see it happen. Probably, should, you know, and like Mike Carey said, who, you know, we saw him ref game for a long time. He just retired a few years ago. Hope that's not just a PR thing, and that's it. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I think he was the first ref to ref in a Super Bowl in like 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
and they went all the way back to Burl Toler and the first ref, he, first black ref, ref in 1965. And so 55 years later, we now got an all black crew. Uh, probably should have happened sooner. Glad to see it happen. And hopefully it will continue to happen. And these guys will continue to get playoff games and Super Bowls because that's, that's what they're judged on based on their performance. Just like players want to make the playoffs and get the Super Bowl. See these guys continue to do well and be represented in bigger games on a bigger stage as well, not just a regular season game, which Monday night was great, but let's see more of them in the bigger playoff Super Bowl opportunities as well. And like I said, it just it's great for where we where we're at right now just to to see that being done. It never been done before. And uh, to me it was special, man. It was just special to see those seven guys who we know have been grinding for many years, you know, just to not only uh, become a referee, but like you said, fighting to get to get a playoff game, get some playoff bonus, and just knowing that they trust you, man. They, they trust you can do your job, and you can do your job not only in in some of the division games, but some of the games that are weak games where it doesn't take you anywhere. To the most important games mm-hmm. is that I want to be able to coach the AFC Championship, you know, the Super Bowl games. I want to be able to coach the two really good Monday night. Monday night football games, like put put us in a position where, you know, we're not seeing it just a, it's just a one time thing. You know, that should be a reoccurring occurrence that we should see more often than just oh man Monday night first time we've had an all black official crew. Okay, cool. Let's do it again. Let's run. Let's rewind it and do and, and run that back. Mm-hmm. And I like it so much. In Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians. He's the, I think, the only coach in the league that has a black offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coach. So he was. And Antonio Brown now. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so as far as that goes, he was he was kind of cool to see. And he even said, "I hate the fact I'm 68 years old. I'm just now seeing seven yeah. black referees on the field." Oh, um, crazy man! It's just think, no. You just think about what we're saying. How many black players NFL and black officials is that dude in twenty twenty this y'all first time right. putting seven official, seven black officials on on the field. Mm. That makes me think, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that might have been a PR move, more than likely it was. But good to see though and, and but like don't let it just stop there. I hope they continue to to build off of that and, and step on other things. We'll yep, let's make it happen. Oh, we got a little more than an hour to Kentucky Moorhead State. So you got a nap to take and we got a game to get ready for. Let's do it, man. So we so we can have something to talk about our our, our next podcast. We're gonna see how these cats do, man. That's, that's let, you know what? Tell you I was I was kind of surprised when I look at the ranking. I'm like, there's nine other teams better than us this year. <laughs> no, for real. I mean on on a serious note, I, I I was looking for us to be in the top five. I'm not gonna even lie to you, but I was like, we did lose a lot. At the end of the day, we because I think if Ashton Hagens maybe had to come back, um, we knew Tyrese was coming back, but I think that gives you a solid leader in the backcourt. And although we have a lot of talent this year, is that you still need someone to lead the troops. And if he had to come back, you know, we probably could have been a top five, but um, you know, we'll see what happened tonight because, like I said, it's not, it's not where you're, where you're ranked now, it's where you're going to be ranked at in February, March. Mm-hmm. That's when it's going to count. That's it. So when the game is over, y'all be sure to hit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them. 
Believe.com, pull up this episode of Believe in Kentucky after the game. It'll be there ready and waiting for you. See what Tony Delk had to say and myself, and, and we'll be bringing you another one next week. So appreciate y'all tuning in as always. Keep in mind, the sky's the limit. Deuces. <laughs> hey, so that's going to be like some, some kind of royalties or lawsuits if we just start playing that. We got to get permission or something? Yeah, we, we got to get permission, yeah. I, I think I thought it would be some trouble if I just start playing yeah. the phone over the yeah, – yeah. Somebody going to be like, oh, man, it, somebody going to be trying to get some money, man. Like, oh, where, yeah. where my royalty money yet? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we can – Hey, hey, they might get like uh like five cents every time the song is played or something. You know, there there's always something behind it. You can't just go and and, and borrow someone's music and be like, I just man, I just like it, man. Can I borrow your music? Mm-hmm. Like, no, man, can't borrow music. Let me borrow. Can I go to your bank? Can I can I borrow your passcode to go into your bank account? Yeah. Probably not. You got to clear some hurdles before you just start doing that. <laughs> you already know, brother. Hey, y'all come and holler at us. Been another fun episode for man TD. This is Benny Hardy, Believe in Kentucky. We'll be doing it again. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 